0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I am going to make a statement right now and you may agree or disagree with me and that's fine. But I believe that one of the worst feelings that you can get in this life is that feeling you get when you have to wait? Some of you are getting that feeling right now, aren't you? <laughs> you may be thinking, why did he stop? What is he gonna say next? Did the video freeze? It is a really difficult feeling, and especially for me. <laughs> I am not a very patient person. It is something that I have struggled with for my whole life. <laughs> I, I tell you, I'll give you an example. We are, a, we are in that time where we are getting ready to approach the Christmas and holiday season. And I will be buying Christmas presents for my family and friends here soon. But I do not want to wait until Christmas to give them their presents. No, no. I want to see the looks of joy and surprise on their faces right now as soon as I buy them. Also, I love to watch TV shows and I do not like to wait. When I finish my show, I do not like to wait until the following week just to see what happens next. No! I want to be able to binge watch my TV shows and find out what happens next just by clicking next episode. When Dale asked me to Uh, speak today several weeks ago um, I did not want to wait I wanted to preach right away this is because we live in a culture surrounded by instant gratification and because of this we have been taught that we do not have to wait for anything we want but the truth is if I was to bring the message to you on the exact moment that I initially wanted to the message you would have had received today would have been dry and shallow. I would have been just spitballing whatever content I knew on the top of my head about the subject. Instead of taking the time to do the research and study so that I can present to you something of quality. You see, over the course of my adult life so far, I have had to learn how to enjoy the process of waiting. Because I have come to understand that it is in this process where God is doing His best work in me and through me. And like many of you watching this, I have had to wait on God to answer a question I have had for years. And that question is, why am I not married? This has been a question that so many people have asked and so many people have struggled with the fact that they are still single. We are in a series, what God says about our bodies. And when we look into these subjects, we often see that what God has to say about our bodies and what the world has to say about our bodies often do not line up. Last week, Dale spoke about God being the author of our bodies, and since he is the author, That means that he has the authority over what is said about our body's design. So today we are going to look at what the author of our bodies has to say about his design for the single person. Now, before we jump into scripture about the subject, we need to see statistically what we are dealing with in today's culture. I am a fan of statistics. I like to use numbers to help paint a clearer picture of what we are looking at. So over the past several weeks, I have done a deep dive into our church. And right now, at the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ, roughly 34% of our congregation is single. And by single, I mean they are not married. And what shocked me the most was that the age range I was anticipating that the average age range of the single person in our church would be young, but no, there is a vast age range of single people in our church. Now, let's broaden our view and look at some statistics, some numbers uh, of the world as a whole. Studies have shown that the millennial generation and Generation Z, which consist of those who are graduating high school right now and younger Studies have shown that they will remain single longer than any other generation in our history. The average meeting age for marriage right now is 30 years old for a man and 27 for women. One out of four people will reach the age of 50 and not be married. So what we know is that people are staying single and not married longer than ever before and at the same time. People are dating more than ever before. The dating app industry in America is a $3.2 billion a year industry. There are over 2,500 dating apps in America, 8,000 worldwide, and yet people are remaining single longer than ever before. This is just a glimpse into the reality of our culture today concerning this subject. But as we take a look into scripture and see what Jesus has to say about our singleness, we will see that singleness is a specific design by God and he uses to bless us with. Jesus is going to teach us that singleness is not a burden to bear, but a blessing, whether it is for a season or for life. I feel like I need to say that again so we fully grasp that. Jesus is going to teach us that singleness Is not a burden to bear, but a blessing, whether it is for a season or for life. We're going to take a look at two things today. Number one, we're going to take a look at the theology of singleness, or the study of God's design for the single person. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 19 today, and in this passage, Jesus is with his disciples and he is having one of his many encounters with the religious leaders. And as usual, we see the Pharisees trying to test Jesus on marriage and divorce. Let's read, this is starting in verse three of chapter 19. Some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replies, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. And he said, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they will no longer be two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command to give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her on her way? Jesus replies, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman has committed adultery. Jesus shares why God created the provision for divorce under the law of Moses. The reason God made this law For divorce under the law of Moses is because of the hardness of hearts. It is because of sin. But Jesus is telling them that it was not a part of his original design. When we read this account in Genesis, we can see that it wasn't good for man to be alone. There was a desire placed in him to have fellowship with another. So God made Eve and the original design was for them to live together in harmony and in unity. But after the fall of man when sin entered into the picture we see that it is now difficult for man and women to be together. And for this reason is why God permitted divorce under the law of Moses for the cause of sexual immorality. Now I love how the how the disciples respond in verse 10. I feel like I would have responded this way if I was there. Here is the response in verse 10. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. <laughs> the disciples have recognized how it is probably easier to just not marry. I have often wondered how the disciples thought Jesus would react when they made this statement. I think they thought that Jesus would probably correct them by saying, marriage is the greatest. That is the single greatest thing a Christian or a disciple of his could ever do. They were probably thinking something along that line. They expected Jesus to disagree. But now Jesus replies, And his answer shocks everyone. Verse 11. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born this way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. There are those who have chosen to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, and those who can accept this should accept this. Now, a eunuch is often a man who is unable to marry, or it can refer sometimes to a man who has been made a slave and has been castrated by his owners to keep him honest. So, in this sense, Jesus uses the term eunuch as someone who does not marry. This answer shocked everyone. The reason is shocked. The Pharisees It's because the religious leaders in this time put such an emphasis on cultural traditions and what Jesus said shattered the stigma of the culture and what they put on the single person. We need to understand how much the culture back then valued marriage and status so we can fully understand the impact Jesus' response had on them. In this time, unless you marry, you had no honor, no legacy, and you had no future. In the Roman culture, you had no status unless you had a spouse. In the Jewish culture, you could not participate in the covenant of Abraham unless you had children. Land, family, and status played such a huge role in this day and age. And without it, people would often think, that you were cursed. So because of this, the disciples were probably thinking that Jesus would say, marriage is the absolute best thing you could do. Instead, he breaks the stigma people had about the single person. Yet in our culture today, our culture does not glamorize marriage like they did in that time. Our culture today idolizes love, sex, and romance as the ultimate source of fulfillment. So in our day, what we are taught and what we consume through TV, books, magazines, internet, social media, what we consume is the idea that it is okay to idolize and obsess over these things, even if we don't have it. Still, in our day, many people see singleness as like a purgatory, like a... Penance you have to pay before you can have a happy and perfect life. Yet others in our society see marriage as slavery and oppression because it is not the perfect life that they were promised. So now we have this struggle in our culture and no one can seem to find complete fulfillment. Instead, what they are left with is a false sense of what satisfaction is. So when Jesus replies in verse 11 and 12, he takes such a radical approach because he does not condemn singleness like the culture did in that time. Instead, he commends singleness. Let's read that again. Verse 11. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For... There are eunuchs who were born that way and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. There are three types of singleness that Jesus refers to in this passage and he uses that term eunuch to help emphasize singleness. Number one, those who were born to be this way. Maybe it's they physically cannot marry. The second type of singleness is those who were made this way by others, referring to slaves often. Three, those who have chosen to be single or a eunuch so that they can glorify God. And this could be for a season or for a lifetime. So Jesus is saying That there are people who are single for a season and people who are single for a reason. But what Jesus does here that is so remarkable is he removes the stigma of being single. And Jesus does this as a single man. God has a purpose for singleness just as he has a purpose for marriage. And that is to glorify Him. God's design and purpose for every living thing is to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. So you do not have to be married to glorify God. Singleness, listen, singleness is not plan B for the Christian life. It is no plan B. Finding that special someone is not God's design for you in order for you to be fulfilled Only he can do that through you being in a relationship with him. But what happens is Satan, the enemy, attacks singleness. Satan makes us feel like our singleness is an excuse to pursue selfish and sinfulness desires. He makes us believe that if you are not married, then you can just live for yourself. Live however you want to express yourself. Also, sadly, the church culture can feed into the myth that everyone has to be married. I have some wonderful godly people in my life who tend to look out for me and feel that they need to give advice for me because I am single. Maybe you have, maybe you have those people in your life too. They offer advice like, hang in there, or God is still doing some work on you, which can make me think... Wait, is there something wrong with me? (laughs) But even Christians can believe that everyone should be married. But Jesus teaches us that someday in heaven, we will not be married but like the angels. Because the angels were not married. In Mark chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus says, When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given into marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven, not married. So what Jesus is teaching us here is that marriage is not ultimate in heaven. So if it is not ultimate in heaven, then it cannot be, then it cannot be ultimate on earth. Jesus deidolizes idolizes marriage and family in this culture. Yes, it is precious. Yes, marriage is good and it is a beautiful design by God and you can minister through it. Jesus is trying to teach us that biological and earthly relationships are not as important as your spiritual relationship with God. Think about this. Jesus was the greatest man to ever live, and he did this as a single man. Why is that? Most people would say, well, it's because he is God. Well, yeah, but he was also man. He was fully God and fully man. He was God-man. But what you notice is that Jesus was fully functioning and deeply happy in community as a single person doing the will of his Father. Now, the second thing I want to look at today is practical teaching for singleness. And I have five ways that you can thrive as a single person. In verse 12, matthew 19 it says the one who can accept this should accept this other translations use the word receive so let the one who can receive this should receive it the greek word for receive is lamvano which means to take in to absorb or to make room for so, if you are stuck in the cycle of thinking that you have to be married to find fulfillment, then you have not made room, lavano, in yourself for this teaching. So, what Jesus is teaching here and throughout the entire New Testament is, there, is that there are things you can be doing to help bless others and make an impact for the kingdom. I want to list five ways, and we will try to get through these pretty quick, five ways to thrive in your singleness. Number one, pursue Christ. Paul, who was single, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. If we skip down to verse 33 of the same chapter, Paul also says this, But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman, or a virgin, is concerned about the Lord's affairs Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world and how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul viewed marriage as a distraction to the work he was doing for the kingdom. Both singleness and marriage are a gift. Both are different, but both have the same intention, which is to glorify God. And there is a beauty and joy to using singleness as an opportunity to pursue Christ. John Tyson, a preacher, says in one of his articles, and I love this, he says, We have a generation defined by FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. But that needs to be replaced by FOSO, the fear of squandering opportunities. We need a generation of singles to rise up with the compassion of Jesus in their hearts who will put their childish games away and use the advantages afforded by their singleness to open their hearts and to see the needs of the world and the cause of Christ. Pursue Christ. Number two, choose contentment, single people and married people. Contentment is a choice. You can either choose to be content or you can choose to be discontent. Most people think that their circumstances, that if their circumstances were different, then their contentment would be activated. That will not happen because contentment is a choice. The real question here is, will you choose contentment with what God has given you. Paul the single missionary says. In Philippians chapter 4. Verse 11. He says. I am not saying this. Because I am in need. For I have learned to be content. With whatever the circumstances are. I know what, is to be, what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content. And in every situation. Whether Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Number three, practice purity. Loneliness can cause you to do desperate things. Loneliness can cause you to go to a place of searching for sexual relations because the world tells, tells you that you need that to have love. Love is a choice and a gift for you alone to give. And if it is used outside of God's design, it will never live up to his fullest potential. God can help you live a happy and fulfilled life without immorality. Remember that the most joyful man in the world, the happiest man to ever walk the earth, lived without sexual relations. And his name was Jesus. Number four, moving on. Live in community. What do I mean by this? Marriage is not the only source of companionship. Understand that God established the church for this reason, to serve God and build his kingdom and community. Christopher Yon, a Christian author who is also single, says, Our earthly families are temporarily bound by blood, but the family of God, it is eternally bound by the blood of the Lamb. So if you are single, married, or whatever hard time you're going through, if you have Christ, then you are never alone. Put yourself out there, get involved. Then you'll see that you have had a family and a community this whole time. (laughs) Lastly, number five, rest in your true identity. Your Your identity as a person is not bound by your marital status, your single status, your social status you are not defined whether you are single or married uh whether you have kids or don't have kids you are not defined by what the world or anybody says about you you are defined by what jesus says about you so here is the question i want to present to you today is your identity in christ secure regardless Of your earthly relationships I'll repeat that is your relationship with Christ is your identity in Christ secure regardless of your earthly relationships or have you been consumed have you taken in every lie everything the world has to say about you where you are unsure of your identity as a single person is your identity secure i have in front of me here a vase it's a beautiful vase well constructed well put together this right now represents your body my body this is our physical bone structure It's our spirit, our heart, mind. This is everything that God has constructed our bodies to be. A beautiful design by a very intelligent author. And like so many things, we tend to pollute this. God calls us to be consumed by Him in our body. But because we let the world in, because we let all these lies in, we tend to consume it with something else. This ordinary ping pong ball right now represents the lies and the sins that we consume into our bodies. And a lot of times we ask those questions, the questions that the world feeds into us. And we tend to believe Because if you believe a lie long enough, it becomes your truth, it becomes your reality. And so we ask the question, will I ever get married? We tend to ask questions, am I even good enough? We ask those questions of, will someone even be able to love me? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I've been married before. Can someone ever love me again? Will someone ever accept my baggage? I have kids. Will someone ever love me and my children? Can someone accept me even though I don't look like what you see in the magazines, the books, the TV shows? Can someone love me for me? I can't seem to find love but I found lust I found someone who I can have relations with but it's not love but it will do for now we keep feeding these lies over and over until we are consumed fully by the lies That Satan tries to put in us until we have reached a point where this is what overflows out of us here's the thing God calls us to be consumed God calls us to be fulfilled by him through his spirit so If you looked up consumed in a dictionary, you would find that consumed means that you are completely filled with something until there is room for nothing else. So here's the question. If you're consumed by this, how can you be consumed by God? It can't happen. You cannot be consumed by both at the same time. You're either consumed by what the world has to offer or you're consumed by God. And sometimes we think that this is the best we will ever get. we think that we have so much damage to ourselves. We think that you are unworthy to get married. You are unworthy to even live a single life. You think that this is as good as it's going to get. Jesus met someone like that once. When he was in Samaria, there was a woman at the well. And she thought that she was as good as it was going to get and Jesus knew her he corrected her Jesus knew she had had several husbands in the past and she was currently single but living with a man who was not her husband and she thought this was as good as it was going to get for her but Jesus calls her to be consumed not with anything of the world but consumed by a living water that will never cause her to thirst again. And here's the thing. This is our body filled with the lies, filled with what the world has to offer. This is living water. And a lot of times we think that we can keep this and only take on a little of this and expect everything to be better. So if we want to be filled with living water we have to be consumed with living water. Cuz remember it cannot be one or the other. We can't just come in here on a Sunday morning, watch online and just get a little just get a little taste. That didn't work. Let's try coming back the next Sunday. Hmm, That doesn't seem to do it. No. But when we make that step, when we make that choice to be fully consumed, when God consumes us, there's room for nothing else. Here's the thing Are you secure? in your relationship with Christ, in your identity with Christ, regardless of what the world has to say about you? Are you security in your relationship to where you can afford to get rid of everything else? We want to help you take your next best step If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.